0: The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure foundationorg The sermon this morning is based on our very first lesson, and we're taking it from Exodus chapter 2, and this lesson comes right after We hear about how how Moses is miraculously delivered from uh, infanticide, really. And he's drawn from the Nile River and saved by Pharaoh's daughter. And this is the next event then in Moses' life, and we're going to pick it up there. Exodus chapter 2, you can see it right there in your PowerPoint, uh, beginning at verse 11. We'll read up to verse 14. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. It's the word of the Lord. Every once in a while, I... I catch, I think it's on a Friday night, the show, What Would You Do? Have you seen the show? It's on ABC. And, and the host, John Quinones, purposely, without the participants knowing, puts them into these various troubling ethical situations. So in one episode, there is a white foster mom who has... In a restaurant, in the middle of a restaurant, her biological child and also an African-American foster child. And in the middle of this restaurant, she verbally abuses the foster child. And so, and so the audience, without even knowing that they're an audience, is invited to ask the question, what would you do? And there's all kinds of episodes like that. There's one episode where, where there's this man who pretends to be like an Uber driver or something like that outside, outside of the spa, but he's not an Uber driver, and he tries to lure women who have been drinking into his van. There's another episode where, where this valet driver has obviously been drinking, and we're always asked as, as viewers and participants, what would... You do. You know, really, it's a hard show to watch. At least for me, it's a really hard show to watch because it's too much like real life. Too much like Moses' life. I think he knew what he was going to see. You see, it was shortly a little bit after his 40th birthday. He was no longer a young man when he went out to go and see what was really happening to his people and he saw them oppressed he saw their hard labor and he saw something else he saw an egyptian overlord take what must have been an instrument of torture an instrument of control we're not told what a whip or something else a club maybe and he was raking the back of a human being only this time it wasn't a show This time, John Quinones wasn't there to sort of intervene and say, stop right here, this is actually not really happening. No, this was really happening. A society that had been built on the backs of Hebrew slaves was continuing its abuse and oppression of another race. And Moses was there and he was taking it all in. What would he do? And maybe a better question is this. What would you do? You know, this is where things for Moses, they 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 slowed down. Like they 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 slowed way down. And and this this little event obviously was was burned into his memory. In fact, Moses, who's writing this account, remember, he wrote the Pentateuch, he wrote Exodus, wrote down this about what he did as time literally ground to a halt. Look at verse 12. It says this, Looking this way and that and seeing no one. So I want you to notice something about this. We're not not told a lot about the the fine motor actions of the characters in this story. We're not not told exactly how the Egyptian was beating that Hebrew slave. We're not told that. We're we're not told how, how Moses literally ended the life of that Egyptian, that oppressor. We're not told that. There's no... Graphic or, or, or vividly detailed account of that. The only graphic, vivid detail that we get in this whole account is simply this, that the, the moment that Moses froze in time and he thought about what he was going to do, he looks that way and this way as if he's about to cross the road, but this was a road that he could not uncross. And then he plunged ahead. You know what Moses was doing in that moment? He's trying as hard as he could to hold it all together, see? He wanted, in a sense, to eat his cake and have it too. <laughs> He wanted to keep his Egyptian name, his his Egyptian privilege, his Egyptian power, his Egyptian everything, but at the same time, he wanted to be who God called him to be. He wanted to be the one who God had once delivered from the river Nile, from oppression, and become that deliverer who God always intended him to be. And so, he thought to himself, if If I can just save this one Hebrew slave and and have nobody know, maybe I can stay Egyptian and at the same time be a deliverer. So he looked this way and that and tried as hard as he could to keep it all together. You know, in looking back, I think Moses realized, he knew it as he wrote this account. He looked back and he knew that, that this was, was a dividing point in his life. It is as if he had arrived at this fork in the road and he had to pick a path. It was one or the other. It was as if he was crossing the highway and he knew that he could not cross back again. Have you seen the, the movie The Matrix? It's a cult classic now. And in The Matrix, there's this scene where where Morpheus sits down Neil, who's the main character, and, and he says to Neil, there's a blue pill and there's a red pill. Have you seen this? And he says, you can take the blue pill. And if you take the blue pill, you can continue to live the dream. You can continue to live the lie. And it'll be good for you, but you can also take the red pill and you'll have to see the world the way it really was and the way that it really is this is moses you know red pill blue pill moment he had to pick one you see he had to pick he had be, to pick he he could choose on the one hand to stay with egypt and if he stayed with egypt it would be good for him you know he would have that name the name of the power and privilege and everything that came along with being the son of Pharaoh's daughter,
1: a prince
0: of Egypt. Or he could, he could choose the red pill. He could decide to cast his lot with the slaves and the oppressed and become the deliverer, and nobody knew where that would end up. And we all know what Moses Chose in that moment He plunged forward And his life would never be the same again It was forever changed now that's as far as we're going to get into the story of Moses and the story of Exodus. And I want to just take a couple of moments here to just, to just back off and objectively look at this and kind of evaluate Moses. And, and hopefully what I want you to do is, is, is give you two things here this morning. I want, to, I want to give you something to critique in Moses' life here. But I also want to give to you also an example from Moses to follow. Now normally, when, when pastors and preachers and, and commentators of the Bible look at this portion of Moses' life, they're very critical, they're very judgmental, they're like, look at Moses here. Isn't he violent? Isn't he a murderer? And some will go so far to say, is when Moses looked back and forth, you know what he was doing? He was premeditating murder. And there's something, I think, there that we need to consider you see, about Moses. Something that we can learn from. Moses still had too much Egypt in him. We, we can notice this, that, that Moses, he's so full of justice. I mean, he's always there. He's inter- he, intervening on, on, on behalf of the poor and the oppressed. He's so full of justice here that his justice rises up and becomes anger and then later, murder. And we're right to critique that about him. He had too much Egypt in him. Too much violence. Too much self-reliance. And so in this moment, although he wanted to do the right thing, he actually did the wrong thing. He's a little bit like Peter. That's. St. Augustine compared him to Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane? He wanted to do the right thing. He wanted to save Jesus from those who were about to oppress Him and take Him to the cross. He wanted to do that, so He got out His sword and Jesus said, put it away. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. And that's Moses here. He had so much justice rising up out of him that he became the Egyptian that he so much despised. And so he killed. You know what God did then for Moses? He sent him out into the wilderness. I don't know if you know this about Moses, but... Moses was 40 years old when this happened. And because he had so much anger and violence and Egyptian in him, you know what the Lord did? He sent him out into the wilderness. And Moses had to to go out into the wilderness of Midian for 40 years. It would be 40 years before he would return again to Egypt and take the people out this time successfully. And during those 40 years, Moses learned to depend less on himself and more on the Lord. To learn that it was not by his own strength and power, but by the mighty Spirit of the Lord and by His powerful Word that He would lead the people out of Exodus. This is one thing we can learn from Moses here this morning. That we might need to have our own personal Exodus from Egypt from its violence before we're ready to lead others on an exodus for all. There's a second thing that I want you to learn. This is where the New Testament writers go with this. Did you know that not a single New Testament writer criticizes Moses for what he does here? Not a single one. Two people in the New Testament talk about this event in Moses' life. One is the martyr Stephen. And this is a really interesting account to read. If you read the the account of the martyr Stephen, you will will not hear Stephen say, Moses was such a murderer that you shouldn't have followed him. In fact, what you'll say here is, you people rejected the deliverer that God sent. You are stiff-necked people. Because what did the person say here to Moses? Who made you ruler and judge over us? The people rejected the one person that God had sent to deliver them from slavery. Right here. Moses doesn't get criticized, the people do. The writer of the Hebrews praises Moses even more. The writer of the Hebrews talks about this moment in in Moses' life and says this, that Moses chose disgrace with Christ rather than, quote, enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He said that Moses, instead of choosing the treasures of Egypt, chose instead to look ahead to his reward with God. This is what Moses chose in this moment. He chose to live by faith, trading the world for a flock of sheep. He traded the power of Egypt for the powerlessness of slaves. He lived by faith. I want you to think about this. Who does this? Who does this? In uh, 2013, Kevin Kwan wrote a book called Crazy Rich Asians. And it, it, it's, a world that, that t- it's a book that took the world by fire. And the reason why is because it's a book that gives people insight in, into how you know, the 1%, the, the very, very rich in this world, live in Singapore. And with their yacht lifestyle and these giant um, houses and the extravagant lifestyles, you know what nobody did in that book? I'm just going to point out the obvious. You know what nobody did in that book? Nobody in that book went to the slums and said, I don't want my family wealth my family name, or anything to do with his power and wealth. Nobody does that, except one person that I know. I can only think of one who gave up his throne in heaven for a manger. I can only think of one who gave up heavenly mansions for, for a ministry without a roof over his head. I, I can only think of one who, who gave up heavenly and celestial comforts for the wood of the cross. I can, I can only think of one who, who put aside what the writer of the Hebrews calls the fleeting pleasures of sin so that He could have you and me. I can only think of one who who gave up His name and His legacy and inheritance to become sin for us. I can only think of one who gave His life in exchange for you and for me, and his name is not Moses. His name is Jesus. And he did it without a second thought. You see, you'll never find in the Gospel lessons Jesus looking back and forth and wondering, should I do it? Should I give my life for these people? Should I, should I come down from heaven? Should I go to the cross and die for them? Not once does he rethink it because that is his love for you. There is only one who can love like that and his name is Jesus. So I suppose what we have to do this morning is just pause for a second and, and look back and forth, look right and left, and decide this morning, will you follow him? Because I want you to know what it means if you follow this cross bearer, this sin bearer. It means that you must leave Egypt behind. See? You can't have him who gave up everything for you and at the same time have Egyptian power and wealth and everything else. So you've got to leave it behind. You've got to go on exodus, and that's really what this story is about. That we would get behind him and follow him to not worldly pleasures, but to heavenly peace. Today, Exodus begins. Amen.